We've got Andrew Tate's ex exposing how he recruited victims in newly obtained messages and voice notes. Hogwarts legacy has divided and set the internet on fire. Why people are shouting scam as hundreds of thousands of dollars are being raised for Turkey earthquake victims. We're going to talk about all of that and so much more on today's brand new Philip DeFranco show. So buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with this whole Harry Potter Hogwarts legacy insanity. So if you don't know, Hogwarts legacy is the newest addition to the Harry Potter franchise, and it is expected to be one of the biggest video game launches of the year, as well as one of the most controversial ones because there are scores and scores of people on social media saying that if you buy this game, you are transphobic. Though not to put everyone into the most extreme basket, there are others pushing the more mild take that it's simply unethical to buy the game because it supports JK Rowling. And so some of the things we've seen in addition to, to viral Twitter and TikTok posts saying, you know, you're a transphobe if you buy this. We also saw many streamers boycotting because Twitch is hosting an ad campaign for the game. This because even though the game's producer has said that Rowling had no input in the game and actually people have noticed that there is a trans person in the game, there is an expectation that she's going to accept royalty payments. With trans streamer Nicotine tweeting, I call on every streamer to join me in taking a stance against bigotry, hate, hatred and those who support such views. But since then, a number of streamers have gotten early access to the game and Twitch has become a fucking firestorm. Like there's this one clip that's gone absolutely viral of uh, girlfriend reviews. You see them getting bombarded by hate comments for playing Hogwarts Legacy. The, the girlfriend leaves the room in tears. And every time I look at chat, it's just the conversation is just like bothering me. And that notably happening on a stream where they were actually raising money for the Trevor Project. Also, someone even created a website where you can see all the streamers who've played the game so you can unfollow or target them, prompting some to call this a literal witch hunt, pun intended. You also had big names in the space weighing in on this, like Asmund Gold, who stated his position in stark terms. I don't give a f Yeah, if the game's fun to play, I'm gonna play the game. If people get mad about something on Twitter, you just ignore it for like three days and it goes away. Then pointing to exploitative labor practices in the third world and accusing the boycotters of hypocrisy. Like, is this really worse? Like, how, how are you boycotting Harry Potter, but you're not boycotting Apple? And notably with this saying, hey, he is fine with people drawing their own line in the sand between which products they're willing to support, but that he doesn't support people going after others for just enjoying the game. And to that point, I mean, it's the first of two times he's mentioned here, you had Hassan Piker, who's a massive streamer speaking on this. The only reason why I, I'm not playing this game, and I know a bunch of other people are not playing this game, is because we know that it's not worth it to get bullied endlessly and called transphobic endlessly. In, in in when we have massive uh queer communities and audiences that's it everybody everybody knows everybody knows how much leftists love to chirp on the internet they got no power all they do is chirp 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 and that's precisely why so many people that would otherwise like play it maybe even raise money for uh you know charities or whatever i got yelled at uh, endlessly and relentlessly uh, on my alt account. Like they were making it seem like I was already transphobic for even thinking about this. And now look at that. What he's referencing there is that earlier he tweeted, I was planning on playing Hogwarts Legacy and inviting every streamer friend who plans on playing it to a healthy competition to do a fundraiser for trans charities of our choosing. Which is also something I've seen other creators like uh, the Actman mention in the past. Or with a general idea being if the game itself is not transphobic and your issue is with JK Rowling, why don't you negate that benefit by donating to trans charities? But whatever your opinion of this situation is, there's one thing that is undeniable. And that is that this game may actually be one of the most successful launches of the year. It's already top 
topping bestseller lists for both PC and console. People are viewing it on Twitch like crazy. And here's the thing, the sales for this have probably been supercharged because of this controversy. Like half the shit I know about this game has been force fed to me because social media platforms love that algorithm. Engagement, engagement, engagement. Especially because the only people that are gonna be hurt in this situation are content creators. Right? How many times have we seen backlash on social media about a thing and then it just not in any way affect how many people actually played the thing? Especially because everything about this ends up promoting the game. Even inaction or the absence of it becomes a news story. Where for example, several gaming outlets have declined to review the game. And IGN that did tackle it added this caveat where it said, quote, whether it's ethical to play is a separate but still very important question. But then Hogwarts Legacy gets that much more attention because everyone else starts talking and reporting on that. And this is outlets like Rock, Paper, Shotgun are also going as far as to publish articles about other magic-based games made by trans developers. Also, if you're one of the people that's like, I'm gonna play this game to own the libs, or you have negative feelings about trans people, you might actually not even be happy with the game. Because as I briefly touched on, thanks to this game, the Harry Potter franchise now has its first trans character. Serona Ryan, with a developer explaining they wanted to represent the rich and diverse world of both Harry Potter and the franchise's LGBTQ fans. But then even there, critics have skewered that character for having a name that sounds like, and this is what they're saying, Sir Ryan, which they say sounds very masculine. With people comparing this to other tone-deaf names Rowling is known for, most famously Cho Chang, which apart from being kind of stereotypical in general, also mixes Asian surnames. So to be clear here, Rowling doesn't appear to have actually had any input with Serona Ryan. But hey, ultimately, that is the story. That is where we are. I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below, because this whole situation is just a nasty, ugly mess, and there's so many different opinions on it, and I'd love to hear from you. And for better and worse, we're going to be diving into those comments, whether it be uh, for later this week or specifically the Sunday show. And then, so y'all know when you when you go to concerts, Broadway show, you go to watch some sports, there are different prices for different seats. Well now, AMC, the largest chain of movie theaters in the country, is planning to do the same. Right? Depending on the seats that you choose, you might be paying more or less for admission. They call it Sightline, where preferred seats cost a little more than a standard ticket, and the value seats cost a little less. Right? With value, you're watching the movie like this. And then you have preferred Sightline, being centered, middle seats, yeah, you cast your gaze above the pores, and you, you enjoy your movie. With the average seats are what they're deeming the, the standard Sightline being the normal price of admission. With AMC's VP saying, while every seat at an AMC delivers an amazing movie-going experience, it doesn't. We know there are some moviegoers who prioritize their specific seat and others who prioritize value moviegoing. And saying this helps and gives guests more control over their experience. Also notably, with these changes, a number of things are not changing. The price of concessions, for example, a small popcorn, small Coke, still gonna cost you a kidney. And AMC's Discount Tuesday will stay the same where every ticket's just five bucks. And in fact, Sightline will only apply to evening shows after 4 p.m. And so far, this news in general has not been received well, including by names like Seth Green and Elijah Wood saying, this is absurdly stupid, it only creates unnecessary classism. AMC theaters clearly focused on squeezing new profits anywhere possible. Trying to get people back into theaters don't penalize folks with less to spend. And saying this new initiative essentially penalizes people for lower income. And as far as when you can expect these changes, it depends on where you live. Starting Friday, this is gonna go live in their locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. And for me, I'm not a fan of this change, and it's for a number of reasons. The first is that I actually worked at a movie theater for a while, and literally one of the first thoughts that popped into my head is, who the fuck do they expect to enforce this? Like, in many theaters, you can already select your seats, but by pricing them differently, you're gonna see an increase in a number of people, like, as groups buying the front and second rows. And then when they get there, if the movie theater is not sold out, they're just gonna spread around. As a broke-ass college kid, that's exactly something I would have done. So we're gonna see an increase of these workers having to get into disputes with customers. I also agree with the sentiment that this penalizes people for not making as much money. Because let's be honest, this is just the first step. They can say they're either increasing affordability, but they're just gonna end up raising prices. But also with all that, I will say, I, I say this as an outsider that's not a part of their industry, and I, I don't know how much they're struggling, but I know that there's a lot of struggle when it goes to movie theaters. Like there used to be a theater next to me called Arclight. It was my favorite theater. During the pandemic, they went bankrupt. Regal ended up buying the place, but now they have declared bankruptcy, and I think they're shutting down this place as well. So I understand movie theaters are struggling, and they're they're fighting to survive, and so 
like this helps it so there are movie theaters near me great but it's still it sounds like a bad idea but hey what are your thoughts on this do you have any feelings in general and do you think it'll be successful or not is this a thing that it's it's going to be like fuck around and find out for amc or is this something that the customers are just going to get used to and then for today an awesome story that hopefully gives you a shred of hope in humanity i want to talk about nate because nate started life on hard mode. He's a seven-year-old boy. He was born with sickle cell anemia, which can cause other medical issues like infections and chronic pain. And for him, those complications led to both his legs being amputated as well as his left arm and several fingers on his right hand. Also suffering from liver and kidney damage, among other ailments. And all of that was only the start of his problems because his overwhelming medical needs were too much for his birth family to handle. So after several missed appointments, he was removed by them by the government and placed into foster care. With him soon after having to go to the hospital for an emergency surgery, and right when it seemed like he was at the rock bottom, Jenna arrives. Jenna is his first grade teacher, and when she heard about the situation, she had to come visit him. Saying, just thinking about him being at a hospital without his family there, I was just sad for her. I just wanted to be a familiar face. And there, she chats with a social worker who tells her how Nate's foster family lives an hour from his school, which isn't ideal. And so in this flash of pure humanity, she suddenly turns to the worker and asks, can I foster him? It's a totally spontaneous idea for her. It's one that obviously carries a life's worth of responsibility. But when she goes home, she tells her boyfriend, Tim, and he's all in too. And so for the next 10 days, they go through the whole thing. Background checks, training programs, home inspections. And all that, that was over three years ago. And so now Jenna, the English teacher, and Tim, the art teacher, they're married and they're pouring all their love into their son and former student Nate's life, who has never left. Being there for their wedding, his sister's birth, and Christmas mornings. He's now cared for, he's got prosthetic legs, dreams of becoming an actor. With Tim saying, when you're waking up with a kid in the middle of the night and helping him get dressed in the morning and giving him baths and doing all the stuff that parents do, it was only a couple of months and we were a mom and dad. You know, that's a story that obviously warms my heart, but I think it also serves as a reminder that family is family. In my eyes, family is based on actions. You're not mom or dad because you made that kid. You're mom and dad because you loved and raised that kid. And so this story, it warms my heart and, and I wish this little family nothing but the best. And then, longtime viewers of the show know that I've owned a Ridge wallet for years. And I feel the need to remind you about Ridge as a whole anytime there's a gift given opportunity. Which hey, Valentine's Day is here, people. And thanks to the fantastic sponsor and longtime partner of today's show, Ridge, I got some things to share. Ridge has a minimalist design to all their products from their front pocket wallet that's slim, RFID blocking, and comes with a lifetime guarantee, as well as my new favorite item, their durable key case that holds up to six keys. This sucker takes a jingle out of the key ring experience and it's just cool. And it's a no-brainer shopping for gifts or for yourself when you go to ridge.com slash DeFranco and find more Ridge products like weatherproof backpacks, really cool rings, watches, pocket knives, and so much more. But that sleek design is what I love most. There's over 30 colors and styles to choose from and many Ridge's products go together. So make sure to check out their bundles. This Valentine's Day, Ridge products are where it's at. So go to ridge.com slash DeFranco to get 10% off right now. And then so many people have been impacted by the horrible earthquakes we talked about yesterday in Turkey and Syria. The death toll as of this afternoon is officially at 7,100 people, but that's expected to jump significantly. And well, yesterday, like I often do, I linked down to resources and charities that people could donate to to help those on the ground. We also saw other creators in the space launching their own fundraisers, like Hassan Piker launching his own soft giving fundraiser link, with the money set to go to a variety of charities based in Turkey and Syria. But because, you know, this took place on the internet, a good thing couldn't just be a good thing. And instead, we ended up seeing this generate a controversy, and there were conspiracy theories, with a big chunk of this seeming to stem from a streamer by the name of iShowSpeed, donating some money to the fundraiser. He was also going to give even more, but then we saw this happen. Hassan Piker is taking all the money for himself. He lives in a mansion. All the money is going to him so he can buy a new pool for his mansion. Yo, child, what is going on? Speed, it's a scam. I am being- It's a scam? Bro, I don't- Oh my God. With Hassan's editor explaining on Twitter that iShowSpeed was actually going to donate $50,000 to the effort until that text-to-speech user convinced him that Hassan was a fraud. Also adding that Hassan had donated $25,000 so far himself. With Hassan then watching that clip and saying, I just, I hate it. These people are so f 
desperate to vilify me that they like even even when I'm trying to raise money for a cause actively, they like go and harm the fundraising efforts. Like there are literally people under rubble right now. It's so crazy that like this is how far go they stopped them from donating fifty thousand dollars and i will say it does suck right i show speed absolutely massive streamer so many people watch him and with him i think the the nicest way to say it is like him not being super well versed or having a breadth of knowledge on this topic or this situation and that including the fundraising and charitable efforts paired with him likely extra scared of being called a scammer because that whole crypto thing where his own fans were calling him out it gives air to unbacked claims that this is a scam it ends up hurting people that need the help but the good news is in spite of all these people that are spreading misinformation information or doubt about this fundraiser. As of this morning, over $670,000 has been donated. And honestly, to anyone that's trying to dissuade people from donating or you're spreading misinformation or you're just believing something because you dislike Hassan, you can dislike someone and still be aware that they're raising money for a good cause and not try to kill it because you're just, you're hurting other people. And to those people, I would ask, like, do you realize what a, a stupid, sick weirdo you are? Like, if you feel conflicted about the source of something that's good, just throw out a, the worst person you know just made a great point meme. Move on. There's so much happening in this world sometimes we just got to focus on what is the net benefit and then one of andrew tate's exes is speaking out about how he tried to recruit her to his alleged sex ring speaking device where in the interest of anonymity they named her lisa to keep her real name private and they're detailing how tate would use dating apps and instagram to groom women as cam girls explaining how initially they met back on tinder in 2016 they have a first date at a london restaurant they seem to hit it off they continue seeing each other until lisa says she feels something's a bit off about it so she starts asking him more and more questions about the lifestyle he led with tate then offering lisa an ultimatum saying if she wanted to be his girlfriend she'd have to live with him and work for him. And after some more questioning, Lisa found out that Tate was running a webcam sex business from Romania. And the job that he was pressuring her to take involved performing sexually on camera, sexually chatting with men, as well as managing the other women who worked for him. Tate also allegedly pushing Lisa to sexually perform on camera for him, despite her having no desire to do so. Also trying to set up a call with another woman to help sell the idea to her. And Lisa saying that when that kind of simple persuasion didn't work, Tate switched to a more domineering and demanding approach. But saying at this point, she had caught on to Tate's methodology and called him on it. Reportedly saying in a message, if this is how you recruit your staff, sleep with them, vet them, make sure they are tough enough to take shit, you need to stop using Tinder. Or with Tate allegedly using what's called the Loverboy method, a strategy used by men to make women fall in love with them for them to then exploit them. With it even being reported that Tate in his online courses reportedly showed men how to target women on social media and do this. And regarding Tinder, it is important to note that Tate's alleged hunt wasn't just limited to apps like Tinder. Vice also talking to a young woman who said that Tate reached out to her on Instagram when she was just 16. With she and two other friends receiving similar messages from Tate around the time following his exact opening line formula that he reportedly teaches in his course. So luckily, none of those young women met up with him. With one of the women saying, it felt like he targeted young girls because that's an age where girls feel the most insecure and they're getting the most excited to get any attention. The fact that he specifically stated that he manipulates young women into sex work, I think that's a problem. And reportedly, she's received some hefty pushback from Tate's fans for speaking out publicly against him, saying, I get you're a liar or you're such a slut. You had Instagram at 16. It's your fault. Right, so a lot of the news we're seeing, it's kind of further insight into the allegations against him. It's right, so more of the specifics. And as far as the brothers, right, Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate, the next three weeks going to be very interesting because right now they're being held until February 27th after losing their second appeal. But as always, with this situation. We're going to keep our eyes on this to see what other updates we get. And in the meantime, I'd love to know your thoughts. And that's where today's show ends. As always, thank you for being a part of my daily dive into the news. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.